And we are back. No prior experiences required. Welcome back to Tech Sags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here. That was an Olin line. You see how I worked that in, Billy? Yeah. You're good times. Uh, we've got uh, former Texas A&M head coach Jackie Sherrill here in studio, who's going to be honored by the 12th Man Kickoff Team Foundation tonight at Ford Hall at, Champion, at the Hall of Champions at Kyle Field. Robert Crouch, part of that first team ever, 40-year anniversary. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're, You're welcome. welcome. I'm, you know, I get up early, so it gives me... Only thing, I couldn't find any coffee in the hotel. Is that right? No. I, I hope mean, we took care of you here. You did. Hopefully that's not Tech one Sacks of coffee. hotels. No. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, I would have called him and woke him up. That's you know? right. Well, well, Kosher, I want to start things off. How did the 12th Man Kickoff idea come to fruition? What made you think of it as a, a as a thing to do in that world of college football? How much time do we have? As right. much as you want. There's a book written about it, yeah. actually. Yeah, well... <laughs> Working on the bonfire, and go back real quick. Uh, the head red pot broke into my office, and, and I not broke in. He just burst in my office, and he gave me a challenge uh, in the spring of 83. He jumped in, and he said, you want to be the Aggie coach, or do you want to be just another Aggie coach? So I took his challenge. He says, okay, follow me. So he put me in elephant walk. And that was James Fuquay. He was the head uh, red pot. So fast forward, I would stop at the stack or pass by it on the way home, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock at night, and finally stopped there. And he handed me a pair of pliers that had been passed down for 44 generations, taught me how to wire. And all of a sudden, we're in the stirrup of the chain of the crane operator, and he's swinging this all around. The kids were really that dumb football coach up there. <laughs> so uh, fast forward, I came there one night, and uh, one of the red pots had a small fire at a 55-gallon drum, and he was beating the drum with the accent. When he stopped, the junior red pots, which they're picked personally, slid down the stacks, ran over the first one, bent over, and he gave him three slats, and these are not patched now. And uh, he turned around and he said, take your best shot, which means you get one more. And when he did, the axle broke. And when it broke, he took three. So he had seven slats, no expression, no movement. And I knew what that felt like because mm -hmm. I was going through a club. And matter of fact, I walked out. And I said, there ain't anybody here big enough to give me a, the last slat. But make a long story. So right then, <clears throat> that's when I said, there's 40,000 students. There's enough kids that are crazy as hell that we have no regard. We'll do anything to get on Kyle Field. Now, I wish I had been smart enough, and I wasn't exactly what it meant. Uh, and it was one of the things that really changed the culture because <clears throat> it took our football team to the student body, and it brought the football team to Kyle Field. And so it was something that really gave the students, I'm part of that field down there. And well, that came to you later, that yes. you realized that after the fact. Oh, I, I didn't know that, Billy, until years later, you know, how important it was. And that's what I'm saying. I wish I'd been smart enough. But, you know, I've always said if you're smarter than a fifth grader, you can't coach. 
So when I went to the staff the next morning, there was only one coach, Curly Hallman, because he, you know, played here, went to school here. Uh, he understood, and none of the coaches, they looked like at me like I'm crazy. And finally, R.C. spoke up, and he said, Coach, I think you fell off that stack. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we put the ad in the paper, and 252 uh, signed up for the first meeting, two females, and whittled it down to 40. They came out to spring practice, and uh, then we always whittle that down. And just because you made it one team, one year, you couldn't make it. But to give you some idea, their average was 12.5. The furthest one out was to the 30-some-odd-yard line until we played Notre Dame, I mean, played Auburn and uh, Cotton Bow, and Bo Jackson ran it out to the 43. But they're tw- today, the, the number one team in the country as far as uh, Power 5 is Michigan with 13.8. Wow. So it wasn't like they wasn't good. Right. It, it sounds like a, an idea some poster on Texags would have today. Right. Let's get Let's get a bunch of students – to go on Kyle Field and run down on kickoff. That's probably what the coaches thought when you walked in. Oh, uh, they really, and probably I was. But the, <laughs> it, and I tried it at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. It didn't work there. A and M, it would work. Yeah, because of the student body, their love for Kyle Field. You know, even last week when you had eighty-three plus. That's not normal, right. no. but it is here. It is here. Robert, you were part of the first one. So how did you, like, did you see it in the bat and, like, I've got to try this out? How did that come out? Well, I was in the Corps Cadets at the time, and uh, we were actually at the dining hall, and they brought the dining hall to attention, and we heard his voice that hadn't heard before. It was Coach Cheryl, and he said, I'm starting this kickoff team. We'd like for you guys to try out. And this place went crazy. I mean, everybody, this is our chance. This is – you know, first off, being in the core, you got to be a little bit crazy. Yep. Then the opportunity to be a Texas A&M football player? Are you kidding me? This is a chance of a lifetime. And so we showed up, like Coach said, over 250. And uh, Coach Bill was our coach at the time, and we ran a series of sprints, agility drills. And we thought making the, the 40 to go to spring training, we thought that was a good thing. No. That was a that was a that was almost getting killed on a daily basis. Oh, it was. Uh, coach, we were talking earlier before, before we came in here, and we, he was talking about you know you had to learn, earn it in practice, and he believed in physical practice. I can sit here and tell you, he believed in every bit of it. <laughs> every day yeah. with Coach Cheryl was a new adventure, and it was tough every day. I, I, Forty years, and with the way they're honoring you this weekend, I know you've been looking forward to it. We've been talking about it for a while now. Um, have you got to that? Maybe you have a long time ago, but when when you sit back and, and reminisce, not just on the the magic you created here, but just a a coaching career that that was so storied and and you know legendary here in College Station and elsewhere. What are some? How proud are you when you look back? Have you gotten to be able to now to the point in your life where you look back and you go, man, this was really special. Uh, Billy, it, it's the players, not the coaches. And I've been very fortunate to have uh, players uh, that were not only players. I'm talking about some of the greatest ever played college football. Uh, it's what they do afterwards. 
uh, and you look at the success that they, those players in the 80s, you look at the success they have in life, and it's, it's off the charts. Uh, but, you know, as the coach, you know, at that time, you're, you're concerned about, uh, well, I'll back up. You know, I thought I was a good coach when I came here. You know, had great success, 59-1 in Pittsburgh. You know, we were always in the top ten. And then the first two years, two and a half years, were not mm-hmm. – I mean, we're so-so. If we'd won one or two more games, then, you know, we'd been very good. Well, <clears throat> that wasn't there. And I'm looking at myself inside, what's, what's going on? You know? I'm the same guy, same coach. You know, I didn't get dumb overnight. Mm-hmm. So basically that's when I understood you have to give your players more than X's and O's. And we started at that time, we wrote a, a manual making of a champion. And But and there's, it's, it's one play, one player. <clears throat> it could be one game, <clears throat> excuse me, that turns everything. We had one player that turned this program around, Ray Childress. Mm-hmm. Where we go to Arkansas and get our butts beat. I mean, <laughs> and it was raining and sleeting, and we put the quarter first team quarterback out. Second team came in, and we couldn't stop him. And all of a sudden, I had nothing to say at halftime, Billy. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it was, you know, get the and next week we're playing TCU. TCU wins. They go to the Cotton Bowl, win the conference. And Ray Childress jumped up, and I want to say it was like a Thursday in our meeting. He said, I ain't letting TCU beat me. And he was a one-man wrecking crew. and But it gave the confidence – to the players, I didn't do that. Yeah, it was their own teammate. They'd had them now, and so we beat TCU. We go to Texas. If we uh, Texas wins, they go to the Cotton Bowl, and we turned around and beat them thirty-seven to twelve. And that started that one game, one player, one game started and turned the whole thing A and M around, and. A&M and Billy, you've been following this year. If if we had had that one play or in one game early, Several, yeah, it, it would have turned this season around. Let me ask you this, because I I know you're not the last thing you're going to do is sit here and, and judge and critique coaches. But I'm going to take it a different direction. If you were sitting there and I said, Coach Cheryl, you're going to you're going to make the next hire. Um, and Billy, and what do you look for in that coach? The, the characteristics. The well, the bottom line is he a winner. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what A and M's looking for. Every kid that comes to A and M, and you go all the way back when A and M was founded, all military, and and what we don't realize is how important A and M has been to the world, to USA. You know, you go to, back to the war, World War II, the whole student body was deployed. And you got seven Congressional Medal of Honors out of World War II. You have 
you know, and like Patton said, you give me a, a handful of, of Aggies and I'll win the war. Yeah. And they did. So there's A&M, if you don't understand A&M, if you don't use the tools of A&M, it's going to be difficult to win. And there's so many tools here you would love to 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 use. So looking, Coach, is he a winner? Mm-hmm. Uh, does he know football? Can he recruit? Uh, today it's, you know, with the transfer portal, uh, I'm glad it wasn't back when I was coaching. You know, <laughs> we had had a lot of players yeah. take off. <laughs> yeah, you have a bad day. You yeah. Might, they might be But gone. then you look at the NIL, so everything has is, is changed more but you're looking for the right fit. Yeah. And is the coach the right fit for A&M? I mean, you can go back and look at a lot of great coaches. Uh, same thing when you know, I was hired. I was an assistant coach. When Bob Stoop was hired, he was an assistant coach. R.C. Yeah. was an assistant. I mean, so it comes down, are you a winner? Uh, and you go back to in high school, in college, you know, were they winners? Were, did they win championships? Robert, uh, tell me a little bit about tonight and uh, tomorrow. Well, we're going to honor Coach Cheryl tonight. Uh, Coach Stones is also here. He's coming to wow. speak on behalf of Coach Cheryl. Uh, we're going to give out some scholarships. The foundation raised some money, so we're going to award some young kids some money to go to school. And then uh, we're going to have a little auction, try to raise a little bit more money to keep this going. Then tomorrow, all the players that have played for Coach Cheryl that are here will be honored at halftime. And so we're going to just all stand up and say what a great coach he was. And, and, and Billy, to jump on something you just said, what would make a good coach here? Somebody follow Coach Cheryl's footsteps. Yeah. And that's embrace his place. He just read off history about this place that a lot of coaches don't know. Right. And, and if, he, if the next coach was to embrace this place like Coach Cheryl has and include everybody, then the players get it, and I think everything turns around for the better. So. And, and before I let you go, can you remind us how the scholarship players treated you guys initially and then how you earned their trust afterward? Uh, it's like getting beat like a redheaded stepchild, um, like every day. Um, we had practice before, which all we did was hit each other. Then we went to practice, um, and they, they put us in a position like a, a running back against Ray Childers, mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Holland, uh, you know, some of the greatest players ever walk on this Billy Cannon, and you know, that was one of my funniest stories. I was supposed to block Billy Cannon. So number one draft pick of the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm supposed to block him. So that didn't go real well. So the players, at first, it was all about why, why are you guys here? You really don't deserve to be here. This is just a, a fluke deal. We kept showing up. All these guys that were on that first team just kept showing up, taking a lick, and kept getting back up. We proved ourselves, and finally, to this day, some of my best friends. That's awesome. From those areas. Yep. Fantastic. No, yep. they, they earned their spot because, yep. <laughs> no, and even Billy Pickard, you remember? Oh, yeah. Old Billy. Yeah. <clears throat> he gave them the oldest equipment. Did he really? The, dirty, uh, the, <laughs> the oldest jerseys, whatever. Billy didn't like it either at first. <laughs> yeah, my helmet said Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Coach Cheryl, 
Mr. Crouch, thank you so much you for coming in. Appreciate, appreciate it very you guys. much. Thank, yeah. thank you very, very much. Appreciate you what y'all do. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Billy, go ahead and tell me who the next coach is so I can uh, break it right now. You know what? I'm I'm gonna let I'm gonna let uh we're gonna let like Taylor Swift break that this week. We, we want it to go a little more viral than just Tex. You know, it's not easy right now to. Uh, uh, where do you go? Who do you know. find? Yeah. You know, and uh, I've it's very know, important. Hats hire, off yeah. to Ross because he's he's got a, a really a hard job, and and but I think he will pick the right guy. I do too. I think, but I think it's it is a. I've covered a lot of coaching changes here, unfortunately. I think this one feels particularly important right now. It is. Because we're is, still close. Yeah, this is the most important uh, job uh, time. Yeah. Coach Bryant called me after I took the job here, and he says, Jackie, you won't have to tell anybody how good you are. The Aggies will tell them for you. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, That's a great way to end it. Well, right I was going to say, to follow that up, uh, somebody on the YouTube channel, Matt Tackle, says, please relay to Coach Cheryl how enjoyable it is for us to see him and hear him today. Uh, people are very appreciative of you coming in. Well, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll hit a break. We'll come back with more. It's Tech Sags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We are back. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Rollo Insurance Studio. Appreciate everybody listening in. All right, so this segment, we're going to kind of just uh, go through. We haven't said hello to people. We haven't opened up the Brian Foley Law Hotline. We haven't looked at the text messages. I haven't checked in with Nick Savage or Hannah. I guess we talked to Hannah for a second. Did we? No. This is this is my this good morning to y'all. Well, welcome in, everybody. And uh, how about that interview with uh, Coach Cheryl? That was fun. Uh, enjoyed hearing from him and uh, Mr. Crouch and talking about 40 years. I, uh, I always tell Coach Cheryl when I see him, I remind him, back in 1986, uh, he was playing golf at Walden. My parents had a condo out there. And I, you know, my brother yelled at me, hey, Coach Cheryl's in the, in the clubhouse. And I ran because I've, we, we watched all the A&M games. And uh, I got his autograph, and my parents still have that autograph at the house. So it was, uh, it was good times talking to Coach Sherwin throughout the years on this show and, and other stops that I've had. All right, let's check in behind the glass. We say hi to a guy by the name of Nick Savage. Nick, it's been uh, an hour and 22 minutes, and I hadn't said hello to you. I don't feel like we've started the show the right way. That's fine. I think everyone would rather hear from Coach Jackie Sherrill, Billy, yes. Seth, and Steve McKinney rather than me. So what a way to start, but how freaking awesome was that? That's so cool to hear from Coach Sherrill and uh, see him in here. Looks great. Glad they're honoring him. And uh, yeah, just cr crazy recall he has, man. I can't yeah. remember what I had for like lunch yesterday, but he's pulling out scores from, you know, when he was around coaching here. So really cool to see. One thing that fascinates me is like when I watch like these documentaries and people have this recall of things that they lived through, right? Uh -huh. And th their, their attention to little details. And I'm like, because I, you know, I've been a reporter for 20 years of my life. Like if, if I had to go through the 2017 Astros World Series run, there are things I can remember. I can remember about three games from that series. Game one, game five, game seven. Right? That's but, it. But like, like the little stories in between, I guess those would be hard. Like I, I almost feel like I'd have to like be fresh. Yeah. And like Coach Cheryl's like that with it. And Billy, by the way, when he did the Johnny thing, the way he his attention to detail, there are certain things that do stick out in my memory of things I've covered you know, Deshaun Watson being drafted, the uh, the Astros, uh, uh, the Rockets. You know, I can remember stuff in the mid-90s more than I can remember uh, what happened a couple seasons ago for the Texans, but uh, that just shows age. By the way, the, the 12th man, the whole idea of the kickoff team, like, 
Can you imagine how they done did that this year? I know they do it with one guy, but like the entire thing. Kickoffs this year were a problem, yeah. right? So I'm just saying, like, just saying, it's an like idea he, for the next guy. Like Coach Cheryl said, the, the what it was forty thousand students then. It's up to seventy thousand plus now. You could probably find eleven crazy enough people to run down the field with their, you know, like their heads are cut off. Who from Texas, if given the chance, would try <laughs> Not out? Not me. Bronny. Bronny would try out. But would you put him on the kickoff team, though? Are you saying he's slow? Like, I just, that's, you need, yes, I am. Luke says. Luke Evangelist? Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, we, they would probably need like a 12-man wa- uh, water boy, so yeah, absolutely. I think Kennedy could do some damage. The Cavs? Oh, yeah. Coach Cheryl did say oh, yeah. a couple of ladies signed up. Kay Nagley, so. for sure. Yeah, oh, my gosh. How do we not even think of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's go back to Hannah there at the Angry Elephant News and Social Center. I know you got some news for us, and you also have some text messages to read here. Yeah, By we the have way, a whole bunch because we're you just, start, just you, starting off now. But or not. Or not. Go ahead, Nick. Sorry. Hannah did bring that idea to us, right? David oh, brought, yes. brought up Jackie and uh, Mr. Crouch coming in studio, so... Props to you, Hannah, for, oh, for no. bringing that to us. Hannah, Prop, props to David at home. Props to my dad. Anyways, though, no, you you can you can let it marinate. Let your dad feel the moment. Mr. Crouch is good friends with your dad. Yes, yeah, I think he's a second cousin, actually. But we could be, still be friends. Oh know? yeah, not all family members are friends. Oh yeah, they for could sure. Be both. What Anyways, do you got for us? So we have a, a couple of things today, and a couple of things to look forward to. But swimming and diving, they're having. An invitational today at noon. Soccer is at number one Florida State at 4.30 for the second round of NCAA playoffs. This is huge. This is a very big, very big game for them. Yeah, number up. one team in the country. A Correct. team that AM on game one went toe-to-toe with and lost very late. I forget if it was the 85th minute, 86th minute. It was late. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it just, as Coach G said in the studio, they had just one more shot at the end, and that 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 ended up being the uh, the bad one. Go ahead. That's right. And then men's basketball, they're playing Oral Roberts tonight at 7, so we're packing Reed again. They're on a three-game winning streak. I know that Luke has been super excited about basketball. I've been getting excited about it. It's something that everyone can be, you know, coming together looking forward to. Let, Wait, let, let me throw in something, too. I think go for it. if it wasn't for the head coaching search this week that has, you know, obviously dominated the conversation – there's a couple storylines that I think have been subplots to mm-hmm. everything happening at Texags. One of those being uh, Jalen Henderson's performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have talked about it, but I think it would be just much more about that. And basketball starting off 3-0 and in uh, non-conference play. And this with, I don't think, Wade Taylor looking his best so far, and he will find his rhythm. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Henry Coleman's looking great out there. I really like Jace Carter. I do. And I, I, I just like the way he plays. So there's Hayden Hefner's look good. So there's been some some good things uh, Ed, that I wish we could talk more about. And as the year develops and goes on, we will certainly be doing more of that, Hannah. I agree. It's been a crazy week. Um, women's basketball, they took their first loss of the season against Purdue on Thursday. It was 58-72, to 72, but they're expected to bounce back again on Monday against HCU at Reed, so they're packing Reed again. And then volleyball, they also lost to number 12 Kentucky last night, but they're going to play number 8 Tennessee at on Sunday at 1, and they'll be back at home for that as well. So with the 12th man, I know that they can pull that one out. Yeah, um, they need to. They need to. It's fun times here. There's a lot of a lot more optimism this week in all sports than, than we've had in a few weeks, so... Happy to hear that. Let's get to some text messages, if you don't mind. For sure. So, 
from way earlier on this morning. I had a 210 number that says, do we think Anaya stays for one more year if we get a knockout coach? I don't. I think he, he's ready to move on. I'm not saying it's impossible. Like, let's see what kind of NFL draft grade he gets. Um, but if you listen to his last interview with Billy, I don't want to say that they both were talking about you know this being the last. They did. They did talk about this possibly being the last game at Kyle Field. So I, I don't see that happening. Although I'm, I mean, I'll, if I'm a And I'm trying. Like, hey, this is what they're going to pay you in the NFL if you're a third round, fourth round pick. This is what NIL can do for you here. You know, what, whatever ends up happening in the future for Anaya Smith, uh, he is going to live in Aggie lore forever. Uh, a guy that we're certainly going to uh, to just he's just he's he's everything. During this cloud, these last couple rough years, he's everything that's right with this uh, with this program. He's the the guy that keeps them uh, going in a certain direction. Hannah. All right. Next, we have Cletus in College Station says once Smith left and went back to Oklahoma, our production dropped off. Great point on strength coach being important. Super important. Um, I, I wouldn't hear for Smitty's run, uh, but I've heard nothing but great things about him. I'll say this. Actually, I, I guess I was here for a little bit of it, but. The strength coach spends so much time with the players. It is like the entire summer. It's the entire, the whole thing, the whole buildup. It is a day-to-day, kind of sets the tone. Uh, so no doubt, I 1,000% agree with that. Try to get another one in before we hit a break. Just kind of bouncing off of that, um, there's a 760 number that says, y'all may have touched on the critical elements of Jimbo's demise. Jimbo started with the OU strength coach. Did we by chance lose him in year four because of Jimbo? Uh, no, I think he wanted to go back to OU. I think that's uh, that was that was part of it. It was just going back home. All right, let's hit a break. Uh, when we come back on Tech Sags Radio, we're going to run my interview from up to the second college football. We had a, a good conversation on that program and uh, one of the things that I found interesting when you listen to it is the fact that um, Adam Rittenberg said that uh, – h- how did he phrase it, Nick? Let me see if I, c- I can give it the – it was almost like Jimbo didn't fit. And I don't know if I got that vibe, but some people did kind of get that vibe. So we'll we'll talk about that. Right now, a moment for Caldwell Country Chevrolet, Highway 21 and call online, CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. Uh, look, when you got a – a car issue, right? And I'm not just talking about like service on your vehicle. But I'm just saying like you, it's time to start considering a new vehicle. If you start your search at CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com, you're going to see the selection of vehicles that they have at the right price, right? Uh, but then when you step on the lot and you see the experience and you kind of go through the whole process, you're going to be like, this is different than the other places. And no, don't only take my word from it, but how about all these other Aggies that have done it? Billy's done it. I've done it. Bronny's done it. Uh, R.C. Slocum's done it. Dante Hall's done it. Like that, there, there's a reason that there's so much repeat business, and Aggies continue to go to Caldwell Country Chevrolet, and they're proud supporters of Aggie athletics. They've been doing it for a long, long time. They care so much about this community, and they care so much about Aggie athletics. It's not a far drive either, guys. We're talking about a 15-minute drive, Brian Caldwell, a short conversation away, but you will see the difference when you step on a lot and do business with the good people there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 in Caldwell online, CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. And we are back. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to play our interview with Adam Rittenberg. Uh, We're going to try to get OB in here around 9.50 to start the go hour a little bit early. And uh, we'll try to get to your text messages. A lot of you have been texting. You can call the show as well on the Brian Foley Law Hotline. 
uh, at 979-693-1150. But uh, here, here's my interview from uh, the second college football with Adam Rittenberg, where we did spend a lot of time on the Jimbo situation and the future of Aggie football. Check it out. Adam Rittenberg here on Up to the Second. All right, our next guest has been all over the Jimbo Fisher story and Texas A&M's future are there on ESPN. Adam Rittenberg joining us here on Up to the Second. Adam, how you been, bud? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, I don't want to say were you surprised by the Jimbo firing because I think any time a coach doesn't live up to expectations, a firing does happen. But maybe surprised it happened when it happened. Yeah, I mean it was one of those that I think you had to always be watching. Um, but certainly the timing, you know, came as a bit of a shock uh, because it was such a big buyout. But here's the thing: and thinking about it more, and maybe we should have been in this mindset um, prior to the decision that. You look at the out years, the 2024, 2025, it wasn't like this thing was going to go down to $15 million. Like it was going to be an expensive move whenever they decided to do it. And I think in, in college athletics, even though it's run in such a emotional and kind of wild, crazy way, one thing that's clear is that when you know it's not going to work, you can't keep going. You have to pivot. You have to change direction. And I think there was enough evidence um, especially since the 2020 season, David, that once uh, that it wasn't going to work with Jimbo, they weren't going to win a national championship. They weren't going to win an SEC title. And so at that point, um, I think I understand, even though it was incredibly expensive, historic uh, in that sense, why they pivoted to, um, you know, making the change that they did. Adam, the, the funny part is, while I agreed with the initial contract, I just scratched my head at the extension, but it made sense at the time. Um, maybe not the extension itself, but the raise made sense to me. And I'm looking at these numbers, 2031, my sons are sophomores in high school. They'll be out of college when that contract was supposed to be done. Yeah, I kind of joked it's like the Jim Bonilla contract. It's, uh, you know, it's the Bobby Bonilla contract for football. And, um, you know, it's, it's the most glaring example, but certainly not the only example of what happens when you emotionally spend. I mean, you know, if, if you or I um, ran our, our personal expenses or really like any of these folks, maybe they're rich enough that they can do this. But if, if we ran our personal expenses, like donors run college athletics and um, departments, especially spending around coaches' salaries, we'd all be broke. I mean, that it just it's just a crazy way to live your life. Um, but this is what happens when you um, when when you're driven by the emotion and the possibility of of championships, and that certainly was motivating and understandably so for Texas A&M on the front end. I'm with you, probably less so on the second time around. In some ways, it's it's those extensions, not the initial contracts, that get schools in big trouble. And certainly was the case here for A&M with Jimbo. It was the case with Auburn, with Gus Malzahn. You know, the idea of losing a coach, especially to a competitor in the SEC, in this case, it would have been LSU. In that case, it would have been Arkansas, is so painful for some folks that they'd rather just throw money at the problem or at the potential problem, the situation, and deal with the consequences on the back end. And that that's the typical pattern of behavior I've observed in covering college football and in covering the coaching carousel is that there's just such a fear of, of, of what happens if this coach leaves us for another school in the SEC. How are we even going to wake up in the morning? The, the, the truth is you'll be fine. And I think more, more of these coaches need greater self-esteem like, your program is still pretty great, regardless who the head coach is. They want to leave. That's their right. We will be okay. There's less of that thinking in my mind, um, David, uh, because there's just such a fear of, oh, my God, we lost our coach to fill in the blank. 
Adam, I, I do want to go back to that for one quick second because remembering what it felt like in 2021, August of 2021, AM had come off that 2020 Orange Bowl season, um, and the fear of of Jimbo going to LSU was real. And at that point, it felt like you're ascending, you're ascending, you're ascending. Unfortunately for AM, they ascended, and then came that steep cliff. They did, and uh, and. And it really was uh, kind of a one-year deal. Um, and what's so, what's so ironic about that was that was a season where it was an all-SEC schedule. And there certainly were some factors in 2020 that um, you know were obviously different from many, many other seasons. But the fact is that was a really good team that uh, held its own in a very tough conference. And it was a deserving top-five team that year. But they just never were able to harness that going forward. And despite the recruiting, despite the money, despite the NIL efforts, they weren't able to get back to the, that place or really remotely back to that place. And so that's why um, they decided to make this move when they did and reset, still with a lot of good players, still with a lot of the um, things that have made Texas A&M a position to compete, even though they haven't for a long time. And they're going to try it with a new coach. So who do you think that new coach might be? I know there's those wish lists out there, and I look at the Mississippi State wish list. Some of them seem to be some of the same names because there's only one huge opportunity right now. We'll see how the, the rest of the uh, season plays out. What do you think? What do you, what do you think is the right fit for A&M that is realistic? Right. I think it's somebody who really has a vision for roster building. Instead of just you – know, it, it's, it's tough in college football because – Sometimes when you have access to the best talent, the, 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 um, the knee jerk is just to grab whatever you can. And I think what happened at A&M was they, because they had that ability, they just grabbed the talent instead of thinking, does this person really fit here? Is this person uh, going to, to work in our culture, make us a better program? So I think it's somebody who has that vision. Um, I, I do think it will matter this time around, David, to have somebody a little bit more connected to the program. I know that hasn't been the case uh, you know, in the past at times. Certainly wasn't the case with Jimbo. Um, really had not been in that state or, or uh, around the Texas A&M program before he got the job. But I, you know, the two names that jump to mind are not surprising in Mike Elko and Jeff Trailer, and that both of them uh, would, would be, you know, I think, a lot more comfortable maybe walking in the door to that situation, especially for Mike, he'd been there. Um, he did a good job as a, an AM assistant defensive coordinator. He understands the place and the pressure and all of that. And then Jeff Trailer, I think, would just be a huge hit for that community. Um, he's a guy who connects with people from from Texas, anywhere in Texas, but especially um, East Texas. And then uh, I don't think there's a college coach, even Mac Brown, who is more popular among the high school coaches in the state of Texas than Jeff Trailer does. Does that mean you know you still have to recruit other places? You still have to be active in the transfer portal. But I, I think that A and M would have a real uh, opportunity to be the top recruiting operation in the state of Texas if they went with somebody like that. Uh, you know, Dan Lanning made it pretty clear last night he's not coming there. Um, certainly, the other candidates uh, that 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 are notable. But one thing that 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 works against A and M here, I think, especially when you're talking about you know Kalen DeBoer or even a Dabo Sweeney. I know he was asked about it today. Is that you're asking coaches to leave programs that have proven to win championships and compete nationally much more recently than A&M has. So you're asking them to take that leap of faith, and you certainly can offer all the things that A&M can, and very few programs can do that, but you can't say, hey, listen, we can win here. Say, maybe we can win here, but he knows, at, if you're Kalen DeBoer or Dan Lanning or Dabo Sweeney, you know you can win where you're at. 
you don't know for sure if you can win in College Station. Adam, you know, when I'm in the preseason thinking about scenarios out there, I thought, all right, Michigan's probably going to win the national championship. Jim Harbaugh is going to leave on a high note and go to the NFL because that's what I think he's wanted to do the last couple of years, right? That might still happen, but maybe for different reasons. So uh, do you think Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan next year? Well, if he wants to be, I mean, that's the thing people need to realize. Like, you know, even if they get hit with you know, horrible violations, Michigan has taken a position that Jim Harbaugh is their guy. Their president, Santa Ono, is the biggest Harbaugh fan on the campus probably right now. Um, fans want him there. The uh, the administration, I know there's been some friction, but they have gotten behind him amid all that's gone on here with the Big Ten suspension. And I think Jim Harbaugh loves this in a weird way. He's the type of guy that loves to have everybody against you. He like probably loves the Michigan versus everybody um, shirts and beanies that the players are wearing now, and the fact that um, you know that, that they're that they're rising above this controversy. Uh, so I, I think in, in some ways he's probably likelier to remain at Michigan than maybe he was when things were going great because he certainly um, had an interest in getting back to the NFL. I don't think that interest has gone anywhere, but the thing that everyone needs to remember is the NFL team has to say yes. There's other options in the NFL. There's other options in college football, and there's really not very many NFL jobs relative to college jobs every year. Maybe you get to five or six. So if those people have uh, candidates internal or coordinators or what what have you, you know, if, if they hire those guys, there's no room for Jim Harbaugh. So I think with the jobs that are likely to open this year, there's a pretty good chance. We already know there's one open in Vegas. Um, Chargers, I think, will open. The Bears, I think, will open. All those are possibilities for Jim Harbaugh, but it doesn't mean he's going to get it. So I, I, I would still go with Michigan versus the NFL as the likelier destination for Harbaugh in 2024. Adam, last thing for you, Georgia-Tennessee this weekend. Am I being a prisoner of the moment, or has Tennessee been a huge disappointment this year considering I knew they weren't going to have Hendon Hooker. I didn't think they were going to have the success that they had last year, but I also didn't expect for Missouri to make the leap that they made. Well, I think Missouri's really good. I mean, that, that, that's the. I think Missouri, and you could ask people at Georgia, Kirby Smart was very complimentary of them. I think they've taken a significant step. You know, that was a program that was better defensively last year. They really moved in the right direction on that side of the ball. And then the quarterback play took a big jump this year with Brady Cook. Um, the running back, Schrader, has been outstanding. Luther Burden is an All-America candidate at receiver. And I talked with Eli Drinkwitz a few days ago, and he said, you know, those are guys that can change the game, and we didn't have that before. So, and their defense has continued to ascend. And certainly the performance last week was was disappointing for Tennessee. And, um, you know, a little bit of a reality check of where they're at right now. And uh, if they were to struggle against Georgia, I, I think some of that early Josh Heupel buzz is going to die down a bit. But um, they did lose a lot of really good players. Let, let's just be real. I mean, they lost great players at quarterback, at receiver, offensive line. Their defense still isn't quite where, it want, where they want it to be in the future. So um, I still think Josh Heupel is doing a heck of a job. But I also give Missouri a lot of credit. Right now, you could make a case, um, and I know LSU beat them, but uh, you could say Missouri has an argument to be the third best team in the SEC, if not the fourth, um, right behind LSU. Adam, appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. All right, that is the uh, up to the second interview with Adam Rittenberg. One thing I've noticed, by the way, is that the guy sitting to my left at the moment has been wearing a lot more Rangers gear uh, ever since they got good. I don't remember a lot of Rangers. I remember stars. That I've always remembered. Rangers, this is a bit like, hey, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon almost before the World Series. That's what it feels like to me. Do you want to be like proud of me for a second? Yeah, sure. This was more like 
oh hey in april when i went to the game yes i saw one of the five degrom starts this year yeah i could actually fit in some of this stuff again so i'm gonna get some some nice new clothes so it's just that okay but i have been wearing it since april when it's i went. april really yeah really i bought this shirt in april okay i just there. feel like it's like it's here there and everywhere everywhere me and richard and i went to degrom day start number i remember two. that one i do start number two um and I sat there that day in the thing and said, you know, the Dodgers should really hang a World Series banner here because the Rangers never will. And look where we are and now. a few months later, they yeah. did. It's good to see you, David. Good to see you, too, sir. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you going to break the news on who the new coach is, as you know? The new head coach. Oh, I got to go. Phone call. Millican Reserve time. Farm-to-table community in College Station. They got homes. They got trails. They got wide open spaces with a mission to build a healthy community around nature. Speaking of those homes, they've got uh, neighborhoods of Millican Reserve are nothing like your typical subdivisions based entirely in that Brazos Valley landscape, closely linked to the land. With deep Texas roots, there's no place like Millican Reserve. Here's a couple of the neighborhoods you'll, you'll love. The Creek, uh, these homes are on 10-plus acre wooded estates. You've got the hollow in a private gated community, and you've got the meadows that are responsive to that natural surrounding uh, following the lead of early local Texas agriculture. It's an awesome place to go. Uh, learn more about the neighborhoods at millicanreserve.com, but about the lifestyle when you go out to Millican Reserve, you're going to love it too because they're com- committed to maintaining and restoring a natural habitat. A variety of native, native species find their homes there in the preserved woods, the ponds, the creeks. You've got white-tailed deer, songbirds, rabbits, and turtles out there. You can go hiking there. You can go biking. You can go canoeing, kayaking. You name it. You can have a great time. The website is millicanreserve.com. Again, that is millicanreserve.com. Tech Radio presented by David Garner's Jewelers Rollo Insurance Studio. We are a few minutes away from the 10 o'clock version of the Go Hour presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. And because we're a few minutes away, I thought we'd bring in my partner, Olin Buchanan, on the show. Olin, it's been a long time since I've seen you, bud. Yeah, it's been, gosh, more than 24 hours. How you been, buddy? Uh, I've been good. I slept a little bit later today. Doesn't that feel good? Yeah, got a, got a little bit of a workout in. I want to go back later today. Good. But, uh, yeah, listen to the... To the final countdown, which that was wasn't fun. final, but that was the, fun. Well, we should have changed it to the uh, the early countdown. The early countdown. Yeah. Uh, I always enjoy listening to the McKinney McKinney's. Brothers. Yeah. 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 Uh, did you get a chance to read the ESPN article on I, from David Wilson? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. What do you think? Well, if all accurate, I think it uh, answers a lot of questions, doesn't yeah. it? Look. I just wish Jimbo Fisher would have, uh, and I know he wanted to win for A and M, but I wish he would have wanted to win so bad that he would have been able to give away control of the offense because then he could have been a successful coach here. But sometimes you are who you are, buddy. You know when we were well, talking about Draymond earlier in the week, and you know, like it's, you have to really want the change to change. That's true, but it's like everybody, everywhere, could see the problem except the guy who was the problem. That's why you have to surround yourself with people that don't tell you exactly what you want to hear always. They don't have to fear for their job if you disagree with them. That's why you have to surround yourself with strong personalities that at the end of the day, it's still your choice, but you value their word. I just always go back to the best coach in college football history, let somebody hire somebody else to run his offense. I mean, what more... What more do you need than that? No, because everybody thinks that they've got the answer. Like, yeah, but, and maybe sometimes they do. But you know what? Like I said, if you if you'll just look in the mirror, I, somebody was saying, uh, Coach Cheryl. I heard Coach Cheryl say, 
we, you know, we weren't winning those close games, and I had to look at myself and figure out what was wrong. And he said, I figured out, hey, I got to give them more than X's and O's. Yeah. Well, and and look what happened here when Jackie Sherrill looked at himself in the mirror and said, okay, I got to change some things. I guess, um, I guess they don't have mirrors in the, in the, in the Fisher household. So the first thing that they should do, whoever the new head coach is, is put mirrors mirror. all around like a gym, just everywhere you look, you can see yourself. I heard you have that at your house. I have it above the bed. Oh uh, yeah, on the on yeah. the ceiling. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I guess we got to go. Uh, he just yelled. Did you hear him yell? Yeah. I, I think we have a minute. I don't know. He's, come on. Why did why'd you yell at us, Nick? Maybe he was saying that he has a... Uh, oh, hey now. Oh, maybe he figured... I was going to say, maybe he was just saying, hey, I, I got mirrors too. I got mirrors too. Who doesn't have mirrors? All right, let's hit a break. When we come back, three things we want to see, okay? We'll go through your matchups. We'll go through our pick six. We'll go through bank on it. We got a... The go hour will be at the 10 o'clock hour, and that is presented by our friends at the CC Creations, the warehouse at CC Creations. That and, of course, your text messages uh, or the phone calls on the Brian Foley Law Hotline, 979-693-1150. Tex-Hax Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.